turning your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Here we go. This is Penn Sunday School. Wasn't surprised at all. No. Dialed in. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. Michael Godot is still juggling for strangers, and this is Matt, and we're here at Show Creator South here in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're here to clean up the topics we didn't get to last episode. So we're going to be talking about Adam Conover, we're going to be talking about um, Jeff Goldblum, and maybe even tell you a story of a tethered balloon's final flight. Here he is preaching the love, Penn Jillette. I am preaching. I am preaching love right here. I got back from L.A. We drove to L.A. Yeah. Uh, uh, Teller, Glenn, me, and Zeke drove to L.A. to do Adam Conover and um, uh, drove in two cars because you can't have Penn and Teller in the same car. Yeah. It's like generals, you know. Yeah, yeah. Can't, can't. Uh, Too easy of a target to take out Las Vegas Entertainment. Exactly, though. exactly. Mr. and Mr. Las Vegas. The terrorists win. The terrorists win. So we took two different cars because you don't, they, they make big cars, but they don't make a big enough car for me and Teller to be together in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I drove with Glenn and uh, Teller drove with Zeke and, uh, we drove across, you know, the, that drive we've all made, yeah. uh, to, from Vegas to LA to do Adam Conover's show, which I'll tell you something that. I mean, this is, want me to get petty? You like me when I'm petty. Uh, yeah. My children get very, very excited uh, when uh, when I'm going to see Adam Conover. Uh. <laughs> Mox wants to get a picture with Adam Conover. They get very excited. They both love Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah. Love it. Now, Adam Conover will tell you that the inspiration for Adam Ruins Everything was bullshit. Yes. Which was my show. And tell you like every time. Yeah. He's not, uh, you know, and it, it, there's no, there's no negative to that. No. You know, he, he is, he did a skeptical show after we did a skeptical show yeah. and he liked the other skeptical show. And we like his skeptical show, you know, one came after the other, that's all. Um, and, um, he's very, very nice about it, but my children getting very excited, like my children, uh, sitting at the kitchen table told me a, uh, I won't go into details on this, but a great quote from Ricky Gervais. Great quote from Ricky Gervais that he just said uh, about religion, right? Mm -hmm. Great quote from Ricky Gervais. And they told me that. And I said, oh, Ricky said that, huh? They said, yeah. I said, it's it's in my book 10 years ago. (laughs) And Ricky's just saying it. And I believe he even said he was quoting it. I think he even said, as someone said, or something like that. Yeah. Um, But they were very excited that Ricky Gervais said this brilliant thing out of my book. Um. Do you remember yeah. the quote? Uh, uh, it was, it, it's a Richard Dawkins thing that I put in different words and I credited, you know. Yeah. It's like when uh, when um, uh, Elvis Costello was asked about uh, uh, Pump It Up and how he wrote that song. He said, I'll refer you to Bob Dylan 
on Subterranean Homesick Blues. And when you ask Bob Dylan Subterranean Homesick Blues about it, I'm sure he will refer you to Chuck Berry's Too Much Monkey Business. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Richard Dawkins idea mm-hmm. uh, that I then went crazy on, that if you destroyed everything from the Bible, everything, oh, in 10 years, you know, um, in 100 years, in 200 years, the stories that would come out of that would have no overlap with what the Bible was. Right. But if you destroyed all of science in those years, it would be the same information. You go back and find it. Yeah, you go back and find the same information. You'd find all physics, all that would be the same. And that's a very powerful argument. And Dawkins wrote about that. Yeah. Hitchens talked about that. And then I wrote a whole paragraph about that in a book or a little longer. And then uh, Ricky Gervais had a my wording in places, of course, but it's from Richard Dawkins, right? right? And it's not Richard Dawkins originally. It goes back. It's an idea, you know. Yeah, yeah. But the idea that it was all that, all that I went kind of, you know, there was a, there was ads in the '60s of a, of a, of a magical elephant. How is this tying in, Penn? I don't know. Let's see. Um, <laughs> magical elephant named Twinkles, and it would say after there was something rather, um, rather uh, inevitable that Twinkles knew and no one else knew would say, and Twinkles only smiled. Yes. So it was the, the the children bring this up about Ricky Gervais and then Twinkles only smile. Yeah, I think David Allen Greer on an interview talked about how um, his kids were like, hey, have you ever heard of this band, Sly and the Family Stone? I, I am loving this music, you know? And David Allen Greer was like, yes, I went to Sly and the Family Stone. I know X, Y, and Z members of Sly and the Family Stone. I'm familiar with Sly and the Family Stone. And his kids said, yeah, but you don't understand them the way I do. Ah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, yep. And that's just the way it's supposed to be. Right. That's the way it's supposed so to be. So your kids find anything hip that you stand for as long as it's someone else's body. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, we had a great time with Adam Conover because Adam yeah. Conover was kind of uh, hanging a lantern on the fact that we were the ones that did bullshit. He essentially wrote a bullshit hunk into his show with him as the one we were talking about. Oh, fun. And it was, it was, it was really great. He's a great guy. Yes. And you said you know him. Yeah, he, he did improv back in the day in New York. And mm-hmm. so I, we were around the same circles. Um, my buddy Ptolemy uh, was in a lot of his stuff and mm-hmm. uh, his early episodes and things like that. But yeah, he was a big improv guy back in the day. And he's really good. He's really good. And he came to me, which I thought was really, really funny, and said, um, I'm having some trouble with my voice. What techniques do you use to keep your voice strong? And I thought, well, that's really good. It's like, you know, it's like going to someone with two broken legs and saying, <laughs> how do you get out of the way of cars? Um, <laughs> I mean, this is not the voice you're going. It's not like asking Pavarotti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, how do you take care of your voice, Tom Waits? Well, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so I told him, you know, yeah. keep everything human, like a jungle everywhere you are. Yeah. Keep everything very, very human. Keep everything moist. And then uh, I do this five-minute vocal warm-up from from uh you know youtube yeah and i sent him that link and he's he was using it in his show tonight i think or last night i'm curious if you have like a there's a there's a story in springsteen's book where basically said like around the house they don't keep any awards up or anything like that they don't decorate Mm -hmm. their house with any of their own stuff that kind of stuff their kids basically just know they do some kind of entertainment yeah that's that's, and the kids like all kinds of different music and he's happy about that Mm -hmm. but he finally takes his is is uh his son says i want to go see this band 
uh, do you want to come with me? And he says, sure. And they go and watch the band. And someone comes up and says, the band would actually want you guys to come backstage afterward. Mm-hmm. And so his kid is psyched. I'm going to go meet this band backstage. And when they get back, the bassist of that band uh, says, can I show you something? And he pulls up his sleeves and his sleeves are Springsteen albums on both of his arms. Tattooed. Tattooed. Yeah. And that was, it was, it was the first time his kid was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It was the first time. <laughs> it was the first time he thought his dad had a cool gig. Yeah, it was that moment. Well, uh, you know Markiplier. Yeah, Markiplier is a great, great podcaster. You know? Yeah, not yeah, pod- yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a YouTuber, yeah. gamer, gamer. Yeah, and uh, Markiplier is brilliant. Yeah, really, really funny and good improv. And uh, Mox, huge fan. So uh, Mox and Emily a few years ago go to see Markiplier. Yeah, and there's no meet and greet. No one gets to go backstage until they mention. You know uh, who they're related to, yeah. And Mark Pl- Markiplier is very excited and lets them backstage and takes pictures and all that other stuff. And at that moment, the fact that Markiplier knew who Penn and Teller were, yeah, was like, whoa! How could Markiplier know that? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not not quite the same clear moment, but at least no, 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 not at all. <laughs> but Springsteen albums tattooed on your arms, yeah. That's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. But Springsteen is a, uh, it's amazing to me, you know, because I saw Springsteen so many times when he was really struggling. Yeah. That uh, I don't have that sense that Springsteen, I will never realize how big a star Springsteen is. Yeah. Because I saw him in little places, you know? And so I, I kind of have that history. So my view of Springsteen is probably closer to Springsteen's view of Springsteen. <laughs> But you know those who came in that you know born to run, yeah, yeah, or yeah. born in the USA, big on being born, isn't he? Yeah, he, he likes it. Yeah, um, I. Uh, it's huge it, on the birth canal. Yeah, I, uh, I. Uh, it's just it's funny because he will never be. He's probably a bigger star than Neil Young, but he would never be a bigger star than Neil Young to me because I never saw Neil Young at a little place, you know. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, I have, you know, friends who've gone on to be pretty, pretty big and it still always feels lucky to, to me. Mm-hmm. Like, good for them. Like, they got another thing. Good. Not yeah. like they're a megastar and that, yeah, yeah. and that show is more profitable for having them on it. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. That's, that. You're just like, they're gigging. Good. Yeah, good for good, them. Yeah. Good. Yeah. They're yeah. Still going. And it, it's good. It's good for you and healthy. That you weren't bitter and angry about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's a great thing, but it's really hard to get on board. I mean, uh, I, I heard an interview with like Dylan's childhood friends. Yeah. You know, guys that grew up with him, went to high school with him. Yeah. And they're like, uh, yeah, Bobby's doing well. <laughs> but he's not a spokesperson for their generation. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You know, they're happy for him. They yeah. like him. They know he's a big star, but not the way we know that. Yeah. Like my friend uh, Kristen is popping up in, in everything. She's in like everything now. Mm-hmm. My kids watch it and then I'm like, oh good, she's having a good year, you know? And meanwhile, <laughs> I can't find someone who, used to be you didn't, no one knew her name. They just knew her as the funny girl from, you know, blank, you know, whatever. Um, and now I can't find anyone who doesn't know her name. So it's who's, like, who's, 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 uh, Kristen Shaw. Okay, I don't know her name. Okay. They, you found a guy. Yeah. <laughs> but she's in, she, she's in this big Disney series and then she's in this new, the popular vampire show on Hulu. Uh-huh. She's in that now. She's on these running commercials that are on everything, and she's a voice in every animated cartoon. I see. I see. She's you know. in the, the last Bill and Ted, too, right? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's really, honestly, that's, that's what I'm laughing at. It's hard to find something she's not in. <laughs> and I keep being like, oh, good. She's still still booking. And meanwhile, it's like, no, she's a name that they're adding to the starring list right. of these shows. She's no longer getting lucky. They're getting lucky to have her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the way it goes. That's that's yeah. That's a, that's a that's a good thing. So ready, rich, ready, rich, ready, rich. We we missed a Ralph Cramden moment last week. You said, yeah, we were talking about reading your laptop on the plane with the seat in front of you yep. pulled back too far. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you guys left, I searched all of Google and Etsy, and I thought for sure I was going to find some maker somewhere that was doing a laptop periscope. <laughs> oh wow. What an idea. And That's an idea Godot would come up with. That is an idea Godot would come up with. Nobody has one, so it's free and clear. So just strapping goggles to your face on the plane to put some elephant trunk into your computer. <laughs> That's pretty great. Fiber optics, fiber optics. And you also had something to say about trusting medicine, didn't you? Yeah, from last episode. You, yeah. you were asking. How do you, not trust the, uh, how do you not trust the vaccine and then trust those same people to take care of you in the hospital? Yeah. So if your hesitation is based on a mistrust of politicians in the media Mm -hmm. and you have a motorcycle accident, the media and politicians haven't been clamoring for you to get yourself treated for motorcycle accidents for the last year and a half. Right. Mm. That's where the compartmentalization is. But what about if you get COVID? Is it the same people who've been clamoring for you to get a, a vaccination and now going to be putting you on a ventilator. But you're still not getting vaccinated. You're getting treated for COVID. Uh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's right. Thank you for helping us understand crazy wrong people. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so wait a minute. I want to be fair here. There was a moment a few months before the pandemic started mm-hmm. where you interviewed the room to find out who had had the flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one in the room that had had it. Is that true? That is true. I get it every year. You had not had it. Not that year. No, I mean, I, I've gotten it every year, so I hadn't gotten it yet. Yeah, but I, I have it now. I mean, I just had it a few weeks ago. So if you had caught the flu and gone to the hospital, uh-huh. can you see how people... Right, but I wasn't not getting the flu vaccine. I just hadn't gotten the flu vaccine. Not getting the flu vaccine... And hadn't gotten the flu vaccine are two different things. Okay, well, let's go to Matt. Matt, did you get the flu vaccine that year? Uh, I did not get it that year. Is my point made there? I kind of. Uh, if all of a sudden I was making the news that this particular year was an awful year for the flu, I would have certainly. But it's always a bad year for the flu. I mean, I I don't I don't like it because it's still not even close numbers wise to what COVID does. If you don't think that the numbers are accurate. And right. you are at low risk and you still catch it, does that make you somehow hypocritical? You get where I'm going with that? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I have gotten more conscientious about flu vaccines over the past, you know, three or four years. And right. I'm, not, I'm not just beating up on you guys because, you know, I was uninsured for most of my life mm-hmm. and poor for a lot of it. And I did not get the flu vaccine for many, many years. My wife and I keep playing this game of uh, if we were 20, at what point in the pandemic we've, we've gotten the vaccine. Because mm-hmm. in our 20s, you know, same thing. Usually didn't have medical insurance. Uh, thought of ourselves as physically fit. Uh, big things aren't going to affect me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still guess that by this point we certainly be vaccinated. So it's like, it's a, uh, I think at some point, I mean, at some point it's about the people you surround yourself with. So... 
At some point, someone says, have you got it yet? You're an idiot. And then you go get it. Boy, it's crazy, crazy stuff. My specialty. <laughs> and then after we did Adam Conover, which is a long shoot. Yeah. Long shoot with Adam Conover. The next morning, we did Comic-Con New York, a uh, Zoom interview with, uh, with Jeff Goldblum about his show, because we're on his show. Okay. And uh, I had forgotten, you know, you can't remember what a trip Jeff Goldblum is. Right. Uh, you can't, you can't, uh, it, it's, it's so weird to be on a show with him. Uh, so we did an interview. I, I can do a Jeff Goldblum impersonation. Oh, good. Ask me, ask me um, um, how, on this show, how did your interest in magic develop? Hey, Jeff, uh, so uh, you learned magic on this show. How did your interest in magic develop? Matt, <laughs> Matt, your beard, your beard looks good. It's a good looking beard, Matt. You're wearing shorts. You're wearing like they're, they're khaki colored shorts, like, like they wore maybe in, 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 in Arabia, in the army. They would have worn shorts like that if, if it wasn't for the skin damage from the knees down. Of the like, what about Christmas? Do you like Christmas? <laughs> I mean, when you grew up, did you like Christmas? Cause I like Christmas. I like Christmas. And I grew up in kind of a Jewish family, but I still like Christmas. And that's a wedding ring, just a plain gold wedding ring. You're just playing, now, the beard looks good. A little bit of red in it. A little bit of red in the beard. That's what Jeff Goldberg <laughs> So, by the way, that was a really good impersonation. That was, that was great. The, the burst, the sudden burst was really great. Yeah. He's really... Like that. Yeah. And also, like, you got to... He really grew into this larger cartoonish expression of himself. Yeah. Nicely. Like, it's not like you go back and look at old Jeff Goldblum and you go like, where did this come from? The seeds are there. Yeah. But he wasn't over the top like he is now. But the over the top implies that it's a move. He's authentically becoming older and crazier in a good yeah, way. Yeah, really nice. It's really nice. And then the woman who was interviewing us, Rosie from uh, from like National Geographic or something, mm -hmm. um, uh, she, she then said um, that uh, she dabbled in tarot a little bit and you kind of implied that talking to the deads was okay <laughs> and uh to you yeah, tell her. to me and teller and, and jeff goldblum and this uh great uh young magician eric uh maybe his name will come to me maybe not he was also great um was he ever on fool us yeah he was not on fool us yet okay he's talking about being on we told him don't talk to us about being on yeah, yeah. but he did some really nice tricks and Good. uh Really, really smooth and clean. And uh, she just kind of brought that up casually. And then uh, now she has an extra asshole, so she can do porn. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I talked about, you know, uh, what I would feel like if, if someone uh, spoke for my dead mother and how important those memories are to me and how distorting that would not be good. And, uh, and Jeff Goldblum, even out of his weird, I think probably... Uh, they, they they do this. They're probably good natured, but they're not talking to the dead. They, there's not there's nothing there. I I don't think you can believe. Even he's smacking it. Down. Yeah, even he's smacking it down. And then, um, uh, in a desperate attempt, she said to this young street magician, street magician Eric, and he said, "You know, um, my mom died when I was eighteen, and if someone came and uh, told me that uh, they had a message from her from beyond." Uh, that's destroying a huge part of me that's really important. I, I know. Yeah. Okay, next question. All right. They uh, probably edit this out. 
Probably <laughs> edit this out because during the during the intro, she said um, she said, uh, and we have the infamous Jeff Goldblum. And Jeff came up and said she had the first question. He's infamous. She used the word infamous. Uh, uh, doesn't infamous have a uh, negative connotation? She said, no, no, it just means very, very famous. And he said, I, I think it has. And then Teller said, we usually think of it as the day that will live on in infamy for Pearl Harbor. <laughs> and I said, you know, when I think of uh, American history, I think of uh, the disasters being Pearl Harbor, 9-11, and Jeff Goldblum for <laughs> infamy. <laughs> this woman either just hates you guys <laughs> or went home and was like, I never realized how cavalier I've been <laughs> as a reporter. And then uh, and then she said, I didn't write that. Didn't write that. Jeff Goldblum said, well, you know, when you're going to read something, maybe you should. Anyway, I'm infamous. I'm fine being infamous. And she said, well, why would they write that? And Teller said, they would use it playfully. And it gets used playfully enough that people, uh, the meaning slips. She said, how would it be used playfully? And he said, uh, Penn and Teller, who infamously give away magic secrets. That's a way to use it playfully. And, and Jeff Goldblum said, let's be playful. <laughs> and then they came on, the people that were editing it, and said, uh, we'll cut all this. Let's stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah, just go to the question, because we're going to cut all this. Anyway. Yeah. And then she went right into that. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere there's <laughs> Someone that's a producer who just palms inside his eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> How do I get through this interview? Yeah, you know, it's a bad combination. Yeah. Penn, Teller, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Because Jeff Goldblum has no filters. Yeah. And Penn and Teller have strong opinions. <laughs> and that's a mix. Yes. That you, uh, you know. that Quite a bullet base for. Yeah. Just it's, stepping in it. Yeah, it is. It is. And she was wonderful, by the way. She was yeah. very, very nice. And I'm pulling out out of the whole interview these two kind of gaffes. There weren't even gaffes. Saying the infamous Jeff Goldblum is not a horrible thing. No. Anybody else would have gotten away with that. If she had said that about anyone except Jeff Goldblum, and if anyone had been with Jeff Goldblum except Penn and Teller, yeah. no problem at all. No. You know, we've got the uh, infamous podcaster, Matt Donnelly. You don't make any comment on that. I don't think so. No, you don't. Unless you're Jeff Goldblum. Oh, infamous. What's that mm -hmm. word mean? <laughs> Do you think you changed your mind on doing tarot readings or pretending to talk to the dead? Uh, it, it, I think it's likely. I would never say that, but it's. It, I think it's likely. Yeah. She seemed to really understand. She seemed to be very open-minded, and she seemed to kind of go with it. Yeah. It was very good. And then uh, uh, they also tried a little bit on Bigfoot. And then, um, uh, what is it? What is the, the Not the capybara. What is the uh, Mexican? Oh, uh, chupacabra. Yeah, chupacabra. Uh, they brought that up, and uh, and uh, Jeff Goldblum said, I, "I don't know. I, I had a girlfriend once who, who believed in it, but." And then Eric said, um, "I saw a uh, chupacabra once, but it, it ended up being a dog," <laughs> which is a Perfectly really said. really funny thing. To yeah, say. yeah, yeah. And uh, do you remember that back in the beginning of the internet, we thought these things would go away because of the internet? Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't think they would get bigger. I feel really guilty now, so I'm going to say the guy's, uh, uh, oh, I don't, I thought his name was right here. I have it right here. So you say something. Tell us a quick story, because I don't want to just keep saying this guy. I want to say his name. And, the magician's uh, full name. Yeah, I do want his full name, because he was really good. 
Okay. And uh, I just want to be, uh, I want to be respectful to that. Well, well, well this, this will give us a, a moment to do an ad for the Chupacabra Capybara. <laughs> Cafe. The Chupacabra Capybara Cafe. Where our yes. drinks are legendary and infamous. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Eric Blackwell. Eric Blackwell. Eric Blackwell is a magician. Amazing he magician. He was wicked good. He was wicked good. Eric Blackwell. So I, I just I just felt awful just saying God all the time. You knew Eric. Eric Blackwell. Eric Blackwell. And Eric Blackwell was uh, was really funny, you know, saying stuff like I saw Capybara once. I mean, uh, Chappaquiddick. Chappaquiddick but, once. And- but it ended up. And they then they threw it to me. What do you think of these? I said, almost any question on cryptozoology, I'm going to say no. <laughs> she said, no Loch Ness? No. I said, no. No Bigfoot? No. I just uh, Jersey Devil just kept. <laughs> nope. Come no. on, Jersey Devil? No, 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 no. no. no, no. So uh, we want to tell the story. We went to a baseball game. Oh, I, I want to talk about this. You're a working magician now, aren't you? I am like a working magician. How many yeah. gigs you got coming up? I have a seven tour, a seven stop tour coming up from the end of October through the end of January. And what kind of places? I'm playing. Uh, let's see. I'm well. I'm starting off just playing the spot downtown, the downtown Grand. Mm-hmm. Doing four days down there. Um, there's a little comedy club set, but they do six o'clock show, magic shows down there now. Um, Anybody else on the bill, or just all Matt Donnelly? It's all me right now. Or I might have an opener, but and he might arrange an opener. But I, it'll be just me, me right now. Uh, Gudo and Jacob have played this gig mm-hmm. as well. And when Matt kind of do his warm up before he went back to his yep. the Luxor, he, he he did it there. So I'm excited to do the same. I have I wrote it down, so I'm gonna get a picture out that has my tour dates on it. Um uh yeah, November I'm gonna be playing the Prestige Parlor in West Jordan, Utah. And I'm gonna be doing uh at the end uh or the second weekend of uh November I'm playing Elkton Magic Theater in Maryland. Then I'm gonna be doing in December I'll be doing J and B Magic Shop Theater in New Albany, as well as Chicago Magic Lounge, uh at the end of uh December there. Then I'm going to be doing a Prestige San Diego. It used to be Illusions, got bought, but I'm, it's a nice, cool magic place in San Diego. I'll be doing that in the beginning of uh, January. And at the end of January, Keller's Magic Comedy Club in Erie, PA. I'm playing there wow. at the end of January. Wow, you're getting... Now, how long ago was it that you were not a magician at all? Four years. Ah. Yeah. You're, you're moving fast, aren't you? I'm being ambitious. I mean, if I could do this, and then I, mean, I might come back and be like, turns out I'm not a magician. Mm-hmm. Um. No, I mean, it's going well. I mean, the truth is, I, I get, you know, you give me feedback, Telly gives me feedback, Piff, you know, I, I have insane input. So, uh, uh, when I'm making mistakes, I find out quickly <laughs> is really the way it goes. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I, I just try to keep that all in check as I go. And yeah, I mean, the truth is that like, I really like it. And then I enjoy being funny while doing it. And that seems to be a big, thing for why people want to mm-hmm. have me mm-hmm. is that but you're doing tricks to fool people yeah 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 
that's the that's that's the thing. And how's your new Hondro uh, uh, knife drop thing? Good. I I still haven't brought it out into the public yet, and it doesn't travel. It's 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 a it's a big it's a bigger rig. Um, so I'm trying to figure out where to pull it out best. You know, I got it from him because I want to pitch TV shows, with right? It. And so I basically want to put together a video of me pitching it as a TV show hunk, mm-hmm. and then see if I can get out there. Um, I was gonna bust it out when I had that gig in Tahoe because dri- I was driving to that gig. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably, yeah, so probably San Diego. I bet I bet I bust it out in San Diego. Oh, good. Um, good. to do that. But, and yeah. you be, have you been doing it, uh, practicing? Practicing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. Good trick. It's a cool. It's a compelling looking, unique rig where. People will gamble their toes with, with my <laughs> trick. So I've decided to call it Piggy Roulette. Piggy Roulette. Good yeah. name. Good name. Yeah, yeah. Good name. Yeah. And you went to a baseball game? I did. I took my kids uh, to um, uh, a baseball game, the Aviators. Who used to be the, the 51s. Uh, the Area 51s. Yeah. Just the 51s or Area 51s? I think they were called the Area 51s or then 51s for short. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they used to have an alien mascot. We And the Raiders are now in the yeah. Aviators. You know how I know that? Because there was nobody in our audience. <laughs> I was going to say, this weekend, this is, this is how long I've lived in Vegas. It used to be, I, I would think it was exciting, that a big boxing match fight, a big NASCAR event, and the Raiders' home game, second home game of the season, is in town at the same time. And instead, I hear that, and I go like, oh, I bet my friends are suffering. Yeah. <laughs> I bet all my friends in shows are just, no one's going to the shows. We had one show that was a very nice couple from Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I took my kids to the Aviators, the minor league baseball park, but man, it's a new and fancy in downtown Summerlin. Oh, so that's the one that I think my family's going to. Oh, okay. They said, uh, they said, Tuesday night, we're going to a baseball game. Uh, you know, Emily said, my, my father, uh, his wife, and the children, and I are all going to a baseball game. Would you come with us? And I said, well, we don't have a show, but we'll, we'll add one. <laughs> I I feel like we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a show. That yeah, night. we better add one in. Yeah, just no. We yeah. we were having a show. Yeah, yeah. I can't go, but I bet I would like it. Is it is it all outdoors? It's all outdoors. Uh, kids wore masks anyway. We wore masks. We masked up when we went in the more populated areas and the bathroom and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the seats itself outdoors felt pretty good. And then uh, going into the stadium, I'm, I'm outside the stadium. And we have to go through metal Is detectors. Is that right across the street from downtown Sunland? Yeah, like it's right there. Yeah. Like you can like walk. right near where I voted. Yes. If you if you like go to get something to eat or whatever at one of those places, or you go to Dave and Buster's or a movie yeah. downtown Sunland, you can just walk to the stadium. Oh, I see. It's that place, that big yeah. place that looks like a stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It says Las Vegas ballpark on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really fancy and new. Very fancy. So- it's it's leave it to Vegas to swing the pendulum because we used to, they used to play Cashman Field mm-hmm. and it was notoriously an old stadium that no one fixed up at all, and so the, if you got in a minor league Las Vegas gig, it was considered a shit gig because uh-huh. they don't even have like um like a, a proper bullpen for relievers to like warm up yeah. and things like that. You just kind of go somewhere like as if you're at a picnic. You just go somewhere and warm up, mm-hmm. and then you know old facilities, not air conditioned, that kind of stuff. It was considered like the worst gig, and now. They say that these players are spoiled, and it's like not a good thing because these players will th- are basically treated better here at the Aviator Stadium than at like some some of the professional league stadiums. And uh, maybe some of the same guys, any of the same guys, been on the team that long. Oh been- yes, I think someone made yeah someone made the transition from Cashman to, to Aviator. So it's been <laughs> like holy shit. And then a rookie comes in, they're like, "Don't think this is normal. Do not think this is normal." <laughs> um. 
Yes, it's an outrageously fancy stadium. And then uh, we're going in and we're outside the building. We have to go through metal detectors before they can scan our tickets to go inside the building. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the national anthem starts. And then everyone working the metal detectors turns their back to everybody waiting to get through the metal detectors and just looks into the stadium. Just We can't see anything. You just look. Can't see the flag. No, no, no. You can't see who's singing. You can't see the flag. You can kind of hear the music, but the, but the staff then looks toward the field mm-hmm. in reverence of the idea that a flag is somewhere around. <laughs> and I was then struck by this idea because my kids are going crazy. Like, can we go in? I was like, no. Like, why not? I was like, because they're not letting us through because the national anthem is playing. And um, I was like, at what point? I mean, I, I, I'm a proud American. I like being part of this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach my kids to the, be- By the way, they will edit that part out when they pull this out of context and destroy you. Yes. You're proud to be an American, be American. but no one will hear that. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm curious. Go ahead with your commie bullshit. I'm curious at what point- Am I supposed to always be respectful of the national anthem wherever it's playing? Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, if I'm walking on the street and someone plays it in the car, do I stop and pull my hat off? Like where and put it over my heart? Like where? When you're watching a uh, sporting event yeah. on television and yeah. they play the national anthem, you stand up in your home, <laughs> don't you? Uh, yep. Yep. All the time. All the time. Yeah. You yeah, always yeah. want to stand up in your home. Yeah. If you're on the battlefield with Al Qaeda. <laughs> and they play the national anthem. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that same thing. That w- that would work really. I just was like, oh, aren't we taking a little too far? Can't I get my kids inside the same so that we can be respectful of the flag, <laughs> true to like its actual location and performance of the national anthem? Isn't shouldn't that be the metal detector people's job? There's an there was an article in the uh, in the Times, yeah, about how the Taliban people who have now been elevated to. Um, to political posts, yeah, don't like it. Oh, funny! It's just too dull sitting at the sitting at a desk. They're all like, you know, police officers. I want to get back out of the streets. <laughs> I'm not doing a desk job. I want to pound the pavement. Yeah, I want to pound the. <laughs> very, very funny article. Now you're going to tell me a story that I was part of. Yes, but don't really remember. So I will. Um, Maybe memories of this will flood over and I will help you. Yeah. But I don't remember much about it, except it was heavy. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, years and years ago. This is before I was a Penn Sunday School co-host. Um, Emily invited a huge group, and I was part of this group, where we went to see, uh, went to go into the the world's highest, parenthesis, tethered, mm-hmm. parenthesis, balloon in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was it was a meal, wasn't it? Or it wasn't a meal. You, that was another. You, you did a different thing. Yeah, yeah. This was just getting this giant, not basket, but this. You know, it's it. It was a, an outdoor a dish, I guess. Yeah. We we're we we're in a bowl of sorts. Mm-hmm. But um, it took a group of like twenty of us up. It was like, and I was there as you with you with your kids and Emily and people from their school. Mm-hmm. And um, we went up in the balloon. one of the milfs or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're having a good time qualifying tethered with the world's tallest balloon. Yeah. Making sure everyone understood the tethered part. Yeah. And so this was, it was a balloon on a rope, giant helium balloon on a rope. And it was helium, right? I believe so. It was not hot air. No, no, no. Helium. Yeah. Helium balloon on a rope with us underneath it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we go up and it was supposed to be like 20 minutes. And it was hot. It was very hot. It was the highest in the world. It was tethered. the highest. <laughs> exactly. And we could see all through the strip. 
like you could from, I don't know, a building, but we were in a balloon. <laughs> from any building. Yeah, from, any, from, from most of the buildings, from most of the hotels around the you grew up, You grew up to the top floor of the Rio, yeah. the Voodoo Steak Lounge, yeah. have a steak and have yeah. the same view. Yeah. yeah, but we were in a balloon. Balloon. <laughs> <laughs> and we were supposed to sit there for about 20 minutes, and after about like 12 or something, all of a sudden, you know, the we're being... The wheel is turning, and we're we're being brought back down to the the earth, the surface of the earth. Our tether is shortening. Yeah, our tether is shortening. Um, no one's complaining that our time is being cut short, <laughs> but it is suddenly getting windy. We go from coming straight down to coming in at a bit of an angle. Mm. Really windy. Yes, and there are also some people in the balloon who were not with us. Right, people we didn't know, and there are people that were supposed to go on after us. Yeah, waiting, waiting. That suddenly weren't waiting. Right. And so as we come down, there's a staff there and they're trying to tell us that, hey, it's just getting a little windy. Don't worry. Nothing's wrong. As like hair is blowing in front of their face as they talk to us. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. And we're quickly ushered off the balloon inside the little, little, you know, hut. Yeah. Uh, Quonset hut. Yeah. 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 Just a little hut. And, uh. It's trying to come back. Just to talk of maybe they can get us back up or give us passes to come back another day. Let's just hang out and see how it goes. Then the wind keeps it blowing. And then we watch the balloon get, doesn't break from its rope, but the winch that's holding in place does not keep uh, it uh, where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And we see the balloon go into uh, basically the back, uh, back uh, area off the platform. And then there is a, a deflating of the balloon that happens. Mm-hmm. The helium is let, let loose. And everybody goes, oh no, oh no. Yeah. The, the helium voice. So now we're like, well, definitely then we're coming back another day. <laughs> And that was the last flight of that balloon. The last flight of that the balloon. Was, that was it. The business closed. That it was and there over. was a uh, there was a news story on it. Yeah, big balloon yeah. trashed, and we were like, we were on it. We were on the last, the last flight, flight of the world's highest tethered balloon. <laughs> balloon. Yeah. Now I'm going to need a review here on adjectives. Yeah. It is the highest tethered, and not the tethered highest. Why is that? Oh. oh. We forgot. We forgot. It was last. That was last was week. Last week. We don't know. What okay. <laughs> but I was laughing at this the other day because I was like, they really had no backup plan. No. That thing popped and it was just business is over. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> like uh, I guess I wasn't expecting like a patch kit or something, you know. I'm, I'm, but I just there's no no backup. It was just was, as I recall after we left the video. Of the balloon being trashed that was shown on TV, yeah, was horrifying. Yes, and we—I think we had already gone at that point. Yeah, that was after we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. left and we saw a video. There's probably that video still around. Yeah, of the world's highest tethered balloon, and it was kind of like, uh, you know, a disaster. Yeah, it was a real like. And I probably, got this idea for a business of working Vegas, no problem. And probably a lot of people watching at home going, "What kind of idiots would go up in that thing?" <laughs> And I, as I, I re- have a stake at the Rio. As I recall, um, the one thing I do remember is somebody, like maybe my children, or something, yeah, being very frightened that the balloon was moving too much in the wind. Oh yeah, while we're up there, yeah, and me poo pooing that. Yes, oh, come on, they know what they're doing. Right. It's, it's a, they know what they're doing. They, they had to have thought this could happen. Yeah, they they know there's going to be wind in Vegas. Here, here, we wouldn't here, be up here. here. <laughs> Down comes the balloon. I am so trusting 
Yes. It is incredible. I am the exact opposite of the anti-vax people. Yeah. You know, it, whatever people say, I just go, okay. So I always think I'm safe. I have a false sense of well-being wherever I am. Yeah. I believe in any situation, I'm the least competent. Yeah. So I believe everyone else knows what they're doing. Yeah. And that's not always true. It's not. I mean, it's always true that I'm the least competent, but it's not always true <laughs> that other people know what they're doing. I think, yeah, as you get older, I was talking about like this, like life, life, lifeguard uh, syndrome or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it. But like when you're a kid, you're like, this, this is a lifeguard. If anything goes wrong in this pool, this lifeguard is my back. And you're in your high school, you're like, this is who becomes a lifeguard? It's a 16-year-old pothead. Yeah. And then in like government and stuff like that, like everyone shuffles around to different positions. They all just hop up whichever way they can get promoted. And you're like, surely there has to be an expert. Yeah. Someone's made this a And then Trump yeah. put in people that didn't know anything. Yeah, that didn't even, weren't even hopping up the ladder. In the field. And of course, things have changed a lot in, uh, in casinos. Right. Because it used to be that the entertainment director of a casino really knew entertainment. Right. Like, you know, he'd worked with Bob Hope and he'd done stuff and he, yeah. he knew the rooms and he knew uh, what room and stage and what they had. Now, they promote a guy from slots. <laughs> Into entertainment. A guy who's like seen a movie. <laughs> doesn't know anything. No. Not a thing. And they do that. I mean, it's that, it's that, it's that horrific thing you start realizing. Like um, when you're first interviewed, you know, way back in Philadelphia, yeah. you know, 1976, where I did my first interviews and they came out in the paper. That's back when I read stuff with my name in it, which I don't do anymore. Right. And you would find a mistake in every paragraph. Right. Every paragraph would have a mistake. And the description at the top about me would be wrong in details that I think kind of sort of mattered. Yeah. And I go, wow. And then like after two years, everybody that writes about Penn and Teller gets it wrong. <laughs> Why is that? And then you start realizing that everybody in everything gets it wrong. Yeah. And you talk to other people that know about stuff, you know? Like you read an article that's a serious article about like, you know, they found early man in, in you know, in uh, a skeleton from Lucy, you right. know, and then you meet the guy, which I did. And you say, I read this in the paper about you just kidding. He goes, eh, not really. That's not the way it went really. <laughs> and you realize that every article you know anything about is wrong. Right. And it can't be just the ones you know about that are wrong. Yeah, yeah. Just wrong about it. They're not picking it. on your friends. Yeah. It's just wrong about everything. Yeah. And I guess when you know, you know, uh, when you look at how incompetent the people I know are, those people are everywhere. <laughs> you know, there was a thing in, uh, in National Lampoon. I mean, 73. I memorized the National Lampoon when I was in high school. Memorized yeah. every issue that came out. And there was a whole thing of disquieting thoughts. Mm. And the disquieting thoughts were really funny disquieting thoughts they probably don't use the best apples at applesauce <laughs> disquieting thought no oh, that was disquieting thought while eating applesauce oh, okay. but it was disquieting thought while flying on an airplane you know what a fuck up you are at your job right i <laughs> <laughs> was all you know yeah i was all you know what a fuck up you are at your job yeah uh there isn't, although I'm reading a Mike Collins book, Carrying the Fire. Yes. Uh, Mike Collins, who is my favorite astronaut. Mm -hmm. I just love him. 
And he's he's also the best writer of all the astronauts, pretty much considered that. Yeah. The most literate of all the writers, all the astronauts. And uh, wonderful writer, wonderful writer. Uh, it seems Neil Armstrong knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin knew, knew what they were doing. Mike Collins really knew what he was doing. Yeah. 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 Really knew what he was doing. And I always tell Mox when she, when they have the, um, the uh, classes on astronauts, I always say, bring up Mike Collins. Just, you know, bring up Mike Collins. Because Mike Collins never got to land on the moon. Yeah. But he was the one that facilitated Neil and Buzz landing on the moon. And that's, and that's things like, then we tend to, we tend to find and lionize the people who really do have expertise that finally step up and do those mm-hmm. things, right? So when there finally are disasters, there really are a couple of people who know how to actually get resources to places and, and make those things happen. I think Fauci knows what he's doing. Right. I think Fauci knows what he's doing. Neil Armstrong. Yeah. Buzz Aldrin, Mike Collins, end of list. <laughs> Remember the, uh, the onion headline when Steve Jobs died? Uh, Nation mourns. The death of the last person who knew what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Mike Collins, his book, his book is really, really great. First of all, you know, he's very humble, uh, really nice writer, nice turns of phrase, keeps it moving, knows what he's doing. And then he's a fucking astronaut. Right. And you also watch the chips fall into place that he'll be on that mission. No one knows what mission they're going to be on. And it changes and, you know, Everything changes all the time. And boy, going to the moon was hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I'm telling you, Matt, if they left it to us, we would not have gotten to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, what was the one movie where uh, Ryan Gosling played Neil Armstrong? What was that movie? Yeah, it was, it was one, I don't know, but it was like the first man. First man. But I didn't see it. Did you see it? I did. And it was the first time it wasn't this glorious story of space. Mm-hmm. The first time you realize, like, wow, this was hard. It was controversial, mm-hmm. and some people are like, "Why the fuck are we doing this?" You know, and an excellent question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm on the I'm on the other side. Still, an excellent question. <laughs> and that you know that there were deaths and stuff like that involved, and and wives are going like, "What?" Yeah, they're putting them in capsules with pure oxygen. Yeah, and little things that spark, and they can't get out of. Yeah, that was uh, whatever. The, that was the Apollo that burned up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. So stuff like that happens and you're like, oh, I, yeah. What a weird, what a weird, crazy, intense thing to be part of. Not like it's fucking awesome. We're going to space, you know, but it's, yeah, I just, it was the first movie that made me kind of understand it. And now I want to, I should read this book because now I want to like, just understand the actual nuts and bolts. Well, he's, he's a funny writer. He's, he's funny in places really. He says, um, yeah, you know, uh, Neil and Buzz would be the first and a lot of other guys were going to go to the moon too. Like, uh, what was the name of the third guy that went to the moon? <laughs> I knew him and I don't remember. <laughs> you know, it's it's that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's, he's, it's pretty good like that. That's great. And he talks about how uh, how he was a really good command module pilot. And they said to him, you really know the command module. You're going to go learn more about it. And he said, that was the moment I wasn't going to land on the moon. Oh, wow. That was the moment. That was the sentence. Yeah. You're a good command module guy. It's just uh, just great. And so many. I mean, he's just so sick of every joke about, you know, I just imagine his, his children saying, hey, we're going to go to the movies. Just drive around the park. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every every possible version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did it feel? You know, 
to, to just go. He, I was doing my job. Yeah. And then he became, you know, the loneliest person in the history of the world. Yeah. On the dark side of the moon, no communication, no light, unable to see Earth by himself on the other side of the moon. That's amazing. Amazing. And then he, he, I can't wait to get to this part in the book because I read interviews with him where he talks about, you know, there was a very good chance Neil and Buzz were not going to be able to uh, talk with him and go home. And they say, uh, you know, what would you have done? And he said, I would, I would have fulfilled the mission. I would, have, I would have come home. It was not a suicide mission. I would have come home and been the most hated person in the history of the world for the rest of my life. That's Wasn't there that guy in Buffalo who ran the wrong way with the, the, the football player or something who for the rest of their life, everybody hated him? Oh, uh, there's a kicker for yeah. the Buffalo that missed the field goal, Ken yeah. Norwood. If you came back from the moon without the other two guys. <laughs> yeah, that's worse. <laughs> Everywhere is Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. back. But it's, uh, I'm, uh, I just really, I really, he also says, he's just so beautiful. If there's one guy that should have been the first man on the moon, it was Neil Armstrong. He was good at everything. That's crazy. Just really good at everything. Yeah. But yeah, the, 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 you know, when you see, um, there's that great, um, what, what is it called? Summer of Soul, that great documentary. Yeah. Um, that, uh, that, uh, Questlove. Questlove did. Uh, it's so good. But you see that. It's right 68, 69. Yeah. And you see people very angry about going to the moon when there's poverty. Yeah. And so when you really see people angry and, and correctly so. Right. You know, and Woodstock did not go, wow, this is great. We're laying on the moon. Yeah. You know, you didn't have many, you didn't have many rock stars that said, yeah, going to the moon is a great thing, you know. Right. But, uh, I'm the right age, you know, it was 69, so I was, I was 14. Right. Uh, to be like Jackson Brown in 69, I was 14. And uh, so it was, it was really exciting when, uh, when they walked to the moon. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Now, and now billionaires just do it for fun. But not walk on the moon. It's still, they can't do that. That's true. They, they're just barely orbiting. Yeah. They have a little zero G. Who cares? I've done that. <laughs> I've done zero G in the in the vomit comet. Yeah, yeah. They got to get to. They got to get to the moon again. Yeah, it's amazing that we 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 we, we everybody th everybody thought we'd be going to the moon all the time and we'd be having a colony there and stuff like that. We didn't do jack shit. No, went to the moon and we're done with it. Fuck it. Space nineteen ninety nine. What's that? The TV show with the moon colony. Oh, that what it was? Nineteen ninety nine was when they thought that was going to happen. Yeah, it should have been. Yeah. And of course, um, uh, uh, Colin says all the way through this, yeah, the moon, the moon, the moon, but Mars is all we care about. Let's get to Mars. That's, he's really put, this book was written in like the 70s. And he wants to get to Mars. Yeah, he wants to get to Mars. He says we can get to Mars real quickly. If we kept at that same pace, we would have certainly got to Mars. Yeah. Oh, there's a great thing. This was not in the Mike Collins book, another book about space that I read that was really, really great. Uh, when John F. Kennedy said, I think I might have talked about this before, but it makes me laugh and also makes my heart sink um, uh, for the same reason. They want to get a man on the moon, and they knew they could get the man on the moon. They didn't know they could get him back. So they brought in a bunch of Madison Avenue guys, like Mad Men, right? Yeah. Like from that show. That would be the same era. They brought them all into a room, and NASA said, uh, we have a lot of volunteers who would go to the moon, land there, walk on the moon, and die there without being able to bring them back, with no attempt to bring them back. We can probably do that 
by 67. And do you guys have a way to spin that with the American public that we put a man on the moon and not brought him back and have the American public be okay with that? Is there, a, is there an angle you guys got? And they went, no. We've got no angle on that. We've got no angle on America watching a guy die on the moon. Do you imagine? Just run out of air. We'd have in that qualifier the rest of our lives. Well, the first guy, of course, was, you know, John Dipshit. And then. <laughs> he just died. But the first one to go back and live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, we're always just qualifying. Yeah. Well, that would have been it if they hadn't docked. It would be first. Have you ever seen the, um, the Nixon speech? Oh, because he had to record both, right? He didn't record it. It's a deep fake. Oh. It's a deep fake of Nixon talking about Neil Armstrong dying on the moon. It is a complete deep fake. It is totally phony, but it is so believable. It uses the real script that uh, was written because Nixon had the script. You know, that's the thing. If you're Neil Armstrong, you know everybody's got the script ready for, for these brave men who were exploring. There's always risks, and yeah. they'll be on the moon. They'll never be forgotten. Their grave will be the moon and da 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 And uh, Nixon never read it. But they do a deep fake of Nixon reading. You should watch it on the internet. It's chilling. Oh, man. But I mean, that could have happened. Yeah. You know, if you and I were in charge of it, that would have happened. <laughs> you know, uh, they were killed on the drive to go in and try to do the arithmetic. They got very distracted by how hard it was and they hit a tree. <laughs> That would be the Matt and Penn space program. Penn's circling around the back of the moon, but he's going to pick us up when he swings around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he hadn't. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll figure it out. Just get up to me and then we'll dock. Also, docking that far away, putting together and being able to crawl through. And then they did hard stuff. That's super hard. Yeah, really hard. Really hard. And meanwhile, uh, yeah, I mean, the. the that energy put into something like uh, poverty. I mean, maybe the uh, Summer of Soul people were right. Yeah. If we really focused on doing it. Uh, I don't know. I'm of two mind. I guess people should just do everything. That's, That's it. You should, one shouldn't rule out the other. I think we have the resources to address both. But we sure do. We just don't bother. Yeah. That people suffer. What do you got coming up? Anything right now that people can go to see you? Right now, uh, just the end of uh, October. I'll be playing at the Downtown Grand. Okay. October 21st to 24th. Okay. That was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. And to our listening You become naked. I didn't even talk about my nightmare. Did I talk about my nightmare no. of, of uh, space flight? No. I have an actual, literal nightmare that's reoccurring about space flight. Jesus. I'm going to write this down, but I'm going to tell it next week. You know, we love you. You got anybody to thank there, Matt? Yeah, here's some people, some loyal members of the congregation that uh, are on patreon.com slash pen. Our favorite astronauts. Our favorite astronauts are Placida Scott, Dante Peace, Damian Martin, Adam Luce Loves, Matthew, Michael, Penn, and Reddy, Timo Tihoff, Miriam Ingalls, Scott Kelly, Kurt Barrett, Kelly M., Adam Burzens, Chris Marvin, Fractured Adventures, 
Carlos Alvarez, Larry Hess, Michael Cornwall, Ross Devereaux, Rue Dudley, Ryan Matthews, Jeff Baker, Eric Doble, Michael Torbay, Ilan Lee, Leah B., and Jacob McCulley. Thank you. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.